Hi. Hey, how are you? What? What? (laughs) Hello, darlings. Hello. This is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I am Kara. And I am Megan. Hello. We are here. Happy Friday. Oh my gosh, it's a Friday. I know. Also, tonight, you guys, if you are on the Patreon, tonight is the watch party. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which is May 19th, we are watching the first episode of the Murdoch Murders, Mm -hmm. Southern Scandal, whatever it is on on, uh, Netflix. Yeah. The details are in the Patreon. Yes. And we're doing it on Discord. So if you're in the Patreon, there's a link there to join the Discord. And we're all just basically going to press play at the same time yep. and watch it and chat together while we watch it. Yeah. Just the first episode. I think it'll be really fun. I think you'll probably too. I also think it'll be fun to do that more. Yeah. And then I was thinking this morning, I was like, ooh, and we could watch like scary movies mm-hmm. or in October. Yeah. I mean, we could also watch them ooh. anytime, but yeah. especially in October. Yeah. We'll have to start getting our like playlist together and get oh, people yeah. to like contribute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's like your thing. Yeah. And I'm just going to watch with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So don't forget about that tonight, 8 yes. p.m. Eastern. One of our listeners wrote to us about this story okay. on Instagram. Okay. And when she wrote, she was like, I feel like this is right up Megan's alley. And uh. she's right. It's actually, it's a case that I already knew and have known for years. Okay. It's always interested me. And anytime that I see anybody else talk about it, I always stop and like listen or right. read it or whatever. Right. I was going to say, like, anytime there's an update, I'll stop and listen, but there's never any updates. Uh-huh. There are no updates. Yeah. But there's just people retelling the story, which oh. is what I am doing here. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, and you probably know this feeling too, there's some stories that are, like, I'm so obsessed with. Right. They've been around so long that I don't even know how to begin to cover them. It's like, yeah. I know so much about them. Yeah. I'm like, like, I could put days worth. Yeah. The idea of doing an episode would take forever. Like, Maura Murray, I feel like I could never do. Oh, my gosh. There's an entire podcast that only talks about Maura Murray. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how could I ever cover her? Right. And Israel Keys, same Uh thing. There's a whole Mm -hmm. podcast. Oh, yeah. But this story, as famous as it is and as long ago as it happened, there is just hardly any information about. Hmm. So here we go. We are coming up on the 31st anniversary oh of gosh. when this happened. Okay. Wow. Around here, school gets out at the end of next week. Oh, my gosh. I'm so ready. God, I'm so and ready. And it goes till the end of this week. So, so oh. south end of this week and Willow's out end of next week. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both mine are done the end of next week. And we're all just, man, we are just pushing Everybody's through. like leaving last minute from the house. And uh, it's just like, can you, I know you're over it, but can yeah. you go? I feel bad for the teachers yes. this week because, you know, oh. they're all just like as as exhausted what as the kids are. What can I get are. you all to do? Yeah. This story begins with the last of the school year. Okay. okay? Here we go back to Springfield, Missouri mm-hmm. okay. in the summer of 1992. Mm. It's Thursday, June 6th, and that's the day of the Kickapoo High School graduation. Stop it. Kickapoo. Kickapoo. I really wish I could have been like a Kickapoo cheerleader. I would have yeah. had. There's so many chants you can come up with yeah. for that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 19-year-old Susie Streeter and 18-year-old Stacy McCall were graduating. They'd gone to the ceremony, then hit up a few graduation parties afterward, and they had planned to go to a few parties and then head over to Branson and stay at a hotel because okay. they were all going to go with a bunch of their friends to a water park the next day. Ooh, fun. So several of them were going to go yeah. to this hotel, stay the night, get up and go to the water park. Susie's mom, 47-year-old, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I should know how to say her name. Cheryl. I think it's Cheryl. I think it's Cheryl. But it could be Cheryl. But we're going to say Cheryl, and you all, please, you know by now. Yeah. Um, Levitt. She stayed home that evening. A friend of Susie's has dropped off a graduation cake, so Cheryl stuck it in the fridge for later. Susie called home around 9.30 p.m. and was like, we've changed our minds. We're not going to go to Branson tonight. 
Instead, we're going to go stay the night at Janelle's house. Janelle Kirby was a friend of theirs, and she was also going to go to the water park the next day. So this new plan is a whole bunch of the kids who are going to go to the water park are going to stay the night at Janelle's and just get up and go the next day. I know. But didn't you have that friend in high school that always had the big sleepovers? Yeah, Yeah, me too. She always, she lived right by the lake. There are just these big, huge, even like co-ed sleepovers, like especially after graduation and you'd have a big party and just go hang out there. One of Cheryl's friends called about an hour later, this is sometime around 1030 or 11 o'clock that night, and Cheryl was working on refinishing a chair, but she stopped to chat with her friend for a little bit. Cheryl and Susie hadn't lived at this house very long. Cheryl had just bought it like two months before. Oh. So in my head, she's just doing a bunch of little home improvement DIY. You know, you've got your new little house and you're setting it up. Finding things that are wrong. Yeah. Trying to fix it. (laughs) Susie and Stacy's plans changed yet again. They decided that they weren't going to stay at Janelle's house after all. When they had gotten to Janelle's house, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was just too crowded, oh which gosh, I've totally been there, too, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, no, there's no good place to yeah. sleep. Ooh, and oh right now, goodness. sleep is all I care about. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you know what? Susie just got a brand new waterbed. Mm. Remember waterbeds? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> and they decided they would rather just go to Susie's house to spend the night there. Okay. We think they got... To Susie's house around 2.30 in the morning. Okay. Based on what time they were at Janelle's. Okay. At 8 o'clock the next morning, Janelle calls Susie's house to see what time they're going to meet up to go to Branson to the water park. But no one answers. Oh. So she leaves a message. And a little time goes by. She still hasn't heard anything by noon. Which I'm surprised she waited that long. But right. I don't really know what time right. they were going to go. But still. <laughs> if, you, if I called you, if we had a plan. Yeah. I would have been like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? I'm, we're supposed to be here. Care, care, care. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's more of my personality, though. <laughs> and then it would be, I guess I'm going to find something else today. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be much more like, what? We had a plan. What's yeah. happening? So at around 1230, they still haven't heard anything. And so Janelle and her boyfriend head over to Susie's house to be like, what's what? up? Yeah. What you doing? Maybe something's wrong with the phone or something. So okay. when they get there, all three of the cars that belong to the women are there. Cheryl's car, Stacy's car, Susie's car, but there's no sign of any of the three women. Oh. In fact, there's been no sign of them, period, in the 31 years since they disappeared. And really no clues in what happened to them. Today, they're more famously known as the Springfield Three. What? Okay, so let's talk about what they found at the house. Okay. So when they get there, everything pretty much seems fine. The front door is unlocked, which... Could be a little weird, but maybe right, not because it's right. also described as kind of like this sweet little town. Yeah, that not a lot of say, stuff happens. We hardly ever locked our door unless we were going oh, to bed. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Nothing was out of place except on the front porch, there was a porch light and the globe like covering the light was broken. It was shattered. Oh. The light itself, the light bulb was What's fine. Right? Just the, the globe. globe? Yeah. Other than that, there's no signs of a struggle. Janelle and her boyfriend trying to be helpful swept the broken glass off oh, the porch and cleaned no. it up. And you know, it's just because they weren't, yeah. they had no idea. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. The car keys to all three cars are still there at the house. All three of the women's purses were there. Cheryl and Susie both smoked heavily and their cigarettes were there. The television was on. Cheryl's dog, Cinnamon, was there. Oh, but Cinnamon. he was locked in the bathroom. Oh. While Janelle and her boyfriend were at the house, the phone rang. Janelle answered it, and she said it was a strange and disturbing call from an unidentified man who made, quote, sexual innuendos. She hung up and immediately received another call just like it, and she hung up again. I don't know what to think about that. 
and we'll talk about it a little more later. Janelle and her boyfriend leave. They didn't call the police or anything. And I think it's because to them, it was like they just showed up in the house. It's empty. It's not like they showed up and found a crime scene. Right. All they can tell is that the three women are gone. So they're like, they just ditched us, maybe? I guess. Or maybe all their stuff is still there. Right. But I think it's just like, you don't want to believe something bad happened. Yeah. And then, you know how you talk, you don't want to be an alarmist and you talk yourself out of things. Right. Like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. I don't want to feel stupid if I call the police. Right. Hours pass and Stacy's mother has been trying to reach her all day. Remember, there's no cell phones back then or anything like that. So she probably thinks they went to the water park that day. She goes over to Cheryl and Susie's house trying to find her daughter. And when she gets there, she sees all the same things that Mm -hmm. Janelle and her boyfriend had seen earlier. But she panics. She calls the police because she's like, something's wrong. They're gone. Where's my daughter? After she calls the police, she sees that the answering machine has a message on it. And this is the part of the case that has always stuck with me. She checked the messages and listened to what she called a strange message. And then she accidentally deleted it. Oh, no. Which, you know, she must have, like, so much angst about. Police think that this message may have contained a clue. The only thing they've said is they investigated the two prank calls that Janelle answered, Mm -hmm. and they don't believe that the answering machine message is related to those prank calls. The whole prank call thing, I'm like, was someone watching the house and knew they got there? Why did they call at that point? That's what I was going to say, too. Like, how did they know someone was going to be there? Also, what if it was just, like, some guy flirting with Cheryl who was not, didn't know, like, thought maybe it was Cheryl answering the phone, you know? Yeah. And they called back, like, yeah. wait, I messed, I'm still messing yeah. with you. Or, who knows? It could have been something totally benign. Right. Or it could be something very creepy. Yeah. And, and we don't know uh, enough to know. Uh, and then the answering machine message, if you try to figure out, like, well, what did she hear? What do you mean it's strange? I can't find anything that explains it. Really? I feel like at some point over the years, I've heard that it was something like she thought she could hear people talking in the background. But I'm not even sure if I'm thinking right. of the right case. So I hate to even say for sure that's what it was. Yeah. And it may be that the police know and but she knows, but they're it holding out. it back. Okay. Yeah. We know for sure that Susie and Stacy made it to the house that night. And presumably things were okay when they arrived because there was evidence that all three women had washed off their makeup before bed and taken off their jewelry. Okay. Cheryl's bed had clearly been slept in and her glasses were sitting on top of an overturned book on her nightstand. Like okay. she had just taken her glasses off and set it there. Stacy's shorts were folded neatly by Susie's bed as if she had just gotten ready for bed like normal, planning to sleep in just her t-shirt. Her shoes were still there, too. The blinds in Susie's room were pulled apart like someone had been looking outside. Hmm. A huge search began. Police and volunteers came together, walking through fields, the woods. There was a lake. They dived in the lake looking. They searched everywhere, and they found absolutely nothing. They Three found nothing. missing women. Okay. The FBI was brought in pretty quickly. Yeah. Over 20,000 posters of the missing women were printed and put up all over the town. And at least as recently as 2020, some of those posters are still up. They're all just like yellowed and tattered now. But the people are like, yeah, I said I would take the poster down when they were found. Uh, I know. It was just like that kind of a small town feel. And they also talk about how Cheryl's sister, there's an interview I read with her, and she's so appreciative of the town because they've never forgotten these women. They still have, like, vigils, and, you know, they just remember it, which is so nice. Yeah. Okay, and then the house itself, all sorts of worried friends and family had been all through the house before the police had really gotten there to investigate, which contaminates Mm -hmm. everything. And that shattered porch light being cleaned up was a problem. Yeah. 
that's really the only sign that any kind of trouble happened at that house. And the neighbors hadn't heard anything at all that night. A week later, Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy's story was on America's Most Wanted, taking the case nationwide, and 48 Hours covered it too. Okay. It was during one of these national TV shows that a woman named Dorothy Zellers first learned of the women's story. She saw their faces, heard about the circumstances of their disappearance, and thought of her own daughter, Sharon Zellers. Sharon had died in 1978 at 19 years old, raped and murdered by a man named Robert Craig Cox. Sharon had vanished on her way home from work. It was around 10 o'clock when she got off work, and she Mm -hmm. just never came home. Five days later, her badly beaten body was found stuffed in a sewer just a few miles from the hotel where Cox was staying with his parents on vacation. Oh, my gosh. He was also 19 at the time. He was sharing a hotel room with With his parents. parents. And he went Went out to murder someone, raped and murdered her. Oh. He'd gone to prison. But he'd been released from death row three years before the Springfield Three disappeared. Okay. And he was released because Florida's Supreme Court overturned the verdict, saying there hadn't been enough evidence to convict him. What? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't want to delve too far into this case. I didn't want to get derailed. But I do know that there was, I guess, just a lot of circumstantial Mm -hmm. evidence. He was an Army Ranger. And I guess, like, after Sharon died, but before he went to trial, he'd even been named, like, Soldier of the Year or some kind oh. of title like that. Like, he was in the military, and he was apparently, like, a well-respected soldier. Okay. But, like, he's gone on to do other bad things since right. then. So, like, he's not a good dude. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't really care, but he's, yeah. just, you know. Okay. I just made him better at the things he was trying to hide. Right, right. So, I think, but I feel like part of that is probably it played into yeah the state of Florida being sympathetic to him, yeah. I guess. Which is weird, though. Why would you not be sympathetic right, exactly. to her family? So anyway, he went free, and he left Florida to move in with his parents in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, he did. Mm -hmm. Dorothy knew, she just knew, that Robert Craig Cox was involved in the disappearance of Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy. Her husband, Steve, called Springfield police to make sure they knew about Cox's history and that he was living in Springfield, and police had no idea. (gasps) Steve had been keeping an eye on Robert Craig Cox ever since he was released from prison, mm. which you would, right? Like, yeah. that's, you know that's the man that yeah. killed your daughter. I mean, I guess, do we have to say allegedly? Probably have to say yeah. And he's like, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on you. Because he was like, yeah. I knew he would do it again. Oh, and that's how he knew, yeah, he's living in Springfield. Like, oh, my he gosh. Knew that. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top-of-the-line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge NCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally 
curly, wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. Yeah. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. Nice. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Summer is the season of hot temperatures, outdoor adventures, and refreshing water activities. Summer is also the season of rough on your feet causing dry, cracked heels and toes. Introducing Babyfoot, the original exfoliation foot peel that contains 16 natural extracts formulated to remove dead skin cells in three easy steps. Apply the booties, relax for an hour, then wash your feet. In 14 days, you've got baby smooth skin and your feet have never been softer. Letting dead skin cells build up over time is hazardous to your foot health. Our professional-grade DIY products, like our original exfoliation foot peel, our men's foot peel, or our moisturizing mask, are some of the best foot care products on the market created with your foot health in mind. Pamper yourself with a spa day from the comfort and convenience of your own home with Babyfoot. If you want a chemical-free, easy-to-use exfoliating process from the company that created the original foot peel, it's time to treat yourself to Babyfoot. Go to babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24 and get 20% off your first order with Babyfoot. That's babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24. In the summer of 1992, Robert Craig Cox, I keep saying his full name, and I really wish I could stop, (laughs) but I can't. He was working as a utility locator in South Central Springfield, and he himself said that he had done some work in the same area as the home where Cheryl and Susie lived. Oh, he did. Mm -hmm. Police questioned him, but he had a rock-solid alibi. He had been with his parents the night the women disappeared, Mm -hmm. and then with his girlfriend the next morning attending church. Oh, okay. Attending... We are at church just all the time. Yeah. We just can't. On yeah. a Friday morning even. Yeah, we were there. Wow. We were for sure there. We though. love to worship. We are very into church. Mm-hmm. We go every time. Every yeah. We just wake up and go. When we we'll do. Just, sometimes mm-hmm. we'll just break in if we have mm-hmm. to. Exactly. Also, I don't care that he was with his parents the night before. Right. He was with his parents the night that Sharon exactly. was raped and murdered too. Uh-huh. Three years later. Allegedly. Cox- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three years after the Springfield Three disappeared. Uh-huh. Cox was arrested in Texas for robbery. Okay. And in this robbery, he had held a child at gunpoint. Oh, that's, that's a real stand-up sense. Right. So, you. super glad he mm-hmm. let him, they let him out of prison. Mm-hmm. So, investigators from Springfield went to question him again, and that's when he started messing with them. Oh, He what? was like, I know the women are dead, and they're buried near Springfield. But that's all. That's all I know. And that doesn't necessarily incriminate him, right? right. Like, he's already in prison. So, right. he says, just enough, mm-hmm. you know? Just a little tease about it. His girlfriend admitted that she had lied about his alibi. (gasps) He wasn't with her the morning after the women disappeared. (gasps) She said that he had asked her to lie for him. (gasps) His parents did confirm his alibi that he had been with them the night before, though. But again, there's just a lot of things. Okay, but they didn't come home until 2.30 a.m., so. Right. His parents could have been asleep. asleep. 
Yeah, there's a lot of things I would question about that. Also, yeah. it's your kid. Are right. they going to tell the truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, allegedly. Right. At this point, no one is really sure if Cox knows anything or if he was involved or if he's just trying to get attention. Right. Because he's such a piece of crap yeah. that maybe he doesn't have anything to do with it and he just enjoys mm-hmm. being a part of the story. Yeah. For what it's worth, Cox himself has said that he will disclose what happened to the women after his mother dies. Even saying that while your mother's still alive right. seems like it defeats the purpose. Yeah. So it just makes me think he's playing around. Yeah, which yeah. makes me super angry. But on the other hand, he does have this violent history. Mm-hmm. And he was there in Springfield when it happened. This is true. And the whole thing of being a utility locator, he's all over the place. Yeah. And they have theories about how this could have happened. And he could have seen him moving in or mm-hmm. something. I wouldn't be surprised either way at this point yeah. if he's involved. Yeah. From the reading I've done about this, police don't really seem to think that Robert Craig Cox has any credibility. Oh. He hasn't said anything, at least nothing that's been released, that wasn't already out there. Okay. You know? He's currently serving a life sentence in Texas for robbery. Huh. So while Cox is obviously a suspect, he's not the only suspect. Cheryl had another child, Susie's brother, Bart. He was a suspect initially, but I couldn't find anything that said exactly why. Okay. I think it's just that he's a male with close ties to the women. Right. And maybe the police were thinking whoever did this apparently had no trouble getting in the house and getting the women out of the house. So maybe they knew him. Yeah. Bart's life was changed so much by the disappearance plus being a suspect that he ended up leaving Springfield completely about three months later and never returned. Mm. And police cleared him. They said there was nothing there. Susie also had this ex-boyfriend. Dustin Reckla, maybe? Sure. He'd broken into, listen to this, okay. He'd broken into a mausoleum in Springfield and stole $30 worth of gold feelings from a, gold feelings, the feelings <laughs> of gold. He stole the emotions <laughs> right out of All of those feels. $30 <laughs> worth of gold feelings. Why can't I say it? <laughs> Dead. Feelings. Fillings. 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 <laughs> he broke into the mausoleum and stole $30, just $30, $30. worth of gold fillings from a skull. Hmm. Snatched I mean, right out of there. I'm just, just like, you disturbed someone's resting place for $30. 30 You went through the, the trouble of breaking into it and pulling out a dead person's feelings what's yeah. wrong with you yeah what is wrong with you yeah. i hope you're listening what is wrong with you why you and also having to touch that god there's so many things what wrong it with it crumbles for what 30 dollars <sighs> did he know it was gonna he probably was like oh, this is worth um, millions yeah good lord so this was a few months before the women disappeared that he did that and Susie is the one who had told investigators about the mausoleum oh. break-in and there were rumors that she was going to testify against him in court Dustin and his two friends that were also involved in the mausoleum robbery. So three people. Three people had the idea that, that we should That these teeth were worth it. They were together and in the area the night that the Springfield Three disappeared. Oh. I don't know. It doesn't seem, it was $30 worth of gold fillings. Maybe there's some extra charges involved with like desecrating a grave or something. But I'm just trying to figure out like, even if she did testify against him, was he going to go to prison for life or something? Right. Like, would he really murder yeah. Three women over this. Um, of course, I always think the idea of murdering someone to avoid getting in trouble for a lesser crime mm-hmm. is just like the most insane. Yeah, bizarre. But again, I'm not a criminal. So right. honestly, neither of those sound like very good suspects to me. 
There's also the question of whether more than one person was involved. Okay. It seems a little questionable to believe that one person would be able to abduct abduct three adult women with apparently no struggle. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, they didn't escape. They didn't... Didn't make a noise. There's no blood anywhere. But at the same time, police are inclined to believe there's just one person because they think if there were multiple people involved, there's no way they all would have kept their mouth shut for so long. Right. Which is a good point. Yeah, that's true. They think it's possible that one man could have done it by doing something as simple as, say, posing as a utility worker and saying there's a gas leak in the neighborhood to lure them from the home. Okay. In 1997, Cheryl and Susie's family has the two women declared legally dead. Stacy's family says they won't do so until her body is found. Oh. I know. There are searches done. In 1993, this guy was arrested on a weapons charge, and as part of his plea bargain, he claimed to know where the women were buried. He said a friend of his had gotten drunk and admitted to killing them. Hmm. His information led police to search farmland in Webster County, and apparently... They did find some items at the scene, but we don't know what. The results of the search warrant were sealed. Probably the most famous tip was that the women are buried. I remember when this came out. The women are buried in the foundation of the South Parking Garage at Cox Hospital. In 2007, a mechanical engineer used ground-penetrating radar to scan a corner of the parking garage, and he found three anomalies. Roughly the same size that he said were consistent with, quote, a grave site location. Oh. However, police say the person who initially gave the tip about the parking garage didn't have any evidence or logical reasoning behind the theory. But something's still there. A spokesperson from the prosecutor's office said the tip came from a psychic web sleuth named Ken, mm-hmm. who claimed to have had an encounter with Stacy's spirit. The main problem with this tip, aside from the police not liking that a psychic is involved, The women disappeared in June of 1992. The parking garage didn't begin construction until September of 1993. Oh. 15 months after the women vanished. They would have had to keep those bodies. Right. So digging at the area and having to basically reconstruct the parking garage would cost a lot of money. And police Mm -hmm. basically don't feel like they have enough evidence to do that. Okay. But then, like, what are those anomalies? Right. And I I get that you don't like that it's a psychic. Mm-hmm. And we all know that I'm like, I could go either way right. on a yes. psychic. Yeah, yeah. But like, something's there. Right. The psychic said something and then there was something there. Yeah. So like, what do we, what, how do we know what it is? But like you said, if construction didn't start until 15 months after they vanished, it would have to be that the bodies were moved there mm-hmm. over a year after they disappeared. Or, and this is really awful, mm-hmm. the women were kept alive somewhere <gasps> and not killed until sometime around the time the parking garage was being constructed. Yeah. But as much of a search that was done, and as big as this case was, the idea that they were alive somewhere would be shocking. Mm -hmm. The whole thing about this case is three adult women vanished into thin air, and there's just nothing to go on. Absolutely not. There are way more questions than answers. How did someone abduct three women and leave zero physical evidence in the home? We know, like, several people went through the house. Right. Right. Which would make physical evidence tricky anyway, but I feel like we can assume that there wasn't evidence of a stranger in the house. That's true, yeah. But on the other hand, there have been quite a few criticisms about the way the initial investigation was handled by police, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if we can be 100% sure that they didn't miss something. Okay. We know at 
like I said, around 11 or whenever Cheryl talked to her friend on the phone, she seemed fine then. From the way her room was found, it seemed like maybe she'd been reading a book and then been interrupted. Mm -hmm. At 2.30 in the morning, it seems like things were fine because the girls came home and got ready for bed like normal. Right. Whoever came to the house did so with three cars outside. So they knew people were home. Yeah. And they're expecting at least three adults. And they still broke in. That's crazy. And I say break in because it's the middle of the night. But they could have just knocked on the door. We don't know how they got into the house. Yeah. Did someone see Stacy and Susie driving home late at night and follow them? And did they think that it was just like another student and they needed a place mm-hmm. to crash? So they let them in? Because I'll get to the description of them at the end, but Stacy and Susie and Cheryl, they're all pretty petite. They yeah. were all tiny. So if they maybe they saw Stacy and Susie, they were like, I can easily overpower yeah. them. Cheryl was supposed to have been home alone that night. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. So did someone know that and plan to just attack her? Hmm. The three cars outside messes with that theory. Right, because they still went through it. But here's the other thing. You think something that went off this perfectly had to have been planned in advance. Yeah. But Stacy and Susie didn't decide until 2 o'clock in the morning that they were going to be coming home that night. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how far in advance could Mm -hmm. it have been? Or maybe they just followed them from house to house to house. Maybe. That's true. They could have followed them for a while. Mm -hmm. It's possible that whoever did this was already in the house at the time that Stacy and Susie got there. So I thought this through this morning. Maybe the person broke in or knocked on the door or whatever when it was just Cheryl mm-hmm. home alone, before the girls got there. And there were only two cars outside. Okay. And maybe they knew that the girls had gone in one car. Right. Maybe they knew Cheryl was home alone. And the person hadn't realized that anyone else would be showing up that night, mm-hmm. later. Cheryl could have been unconscious or worse at yeah. the point that the girls got home. Yeah. It's entirely possible that when they came home, they didn't, like, stop by because they're, like, mom's, mom's asleep. asleep. We're yeah. not going to bother. But if that's the case, then that means that there was a decent amount of time that the person just hid in the house while oh, the girls God. got ready for bed. Yeah. Which is <gasps> terrifying. Yeah. I wonder if it was, like, what the house looked like. Because you know how sometimes they have the front door or a side door or, like, whatever when you pull into, like, a cardboard or something. Mm-hmm. Like, did they maybe go in a different door and didn't see the thing? Oh, I the don't bell know. Smat, or the, not the bulb, but the right dome thing on it. Whoever did this got the women out of the house without a fight, apparently. He could have had a weapon. The theory about the gas leak ruse makes sense, except if someone came and knocked on my door in the middle of the night and said, you need to get out of the house, there's a gas leak, I would have grabbed my purse and keys right. and cigarettes if I was a smoker. Yeah. And I wouldn't have left my, I would have locked I my dog in the bathroom. I would have no, taken the dog exactly. with me. And their dog, her dog was a little Yorkshire Terrier. She could have just picked yeah. it up and walked out the door. And I would have taken my car. Yeah. So where'd they go? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you get them out of the house, but then what? Right. At what point did they realize something's wrong? Yeah. And there was no scream or anything? Yeah. If so, the neighbors didn't hear it. At the time of the disappearance, Cheryl Levitt was 47 years old. She was about five feet tall and weighed 110 pounds. She had short, blonde, naturally curly hair and freckles on her neck and chest. Susie Streeter was 19. She stood five foot two inches tall and weighed 102 pounds. She had blonde hair like her mom. Both of them had bleached blonde hair. Cheryl was a cosmetologist, and she was one of those women. You know, cosmetologists always like their hair looks good. They know how to do their makeup. They're always trendy. And her daughter was just like that. And Susie was also planning to Mm -hmm. go into cosmetology. Anyway, Susie had straight blonde hair and brown eyes. And she also had a three and a half inch scar on top of her right forearm. 
Stacy McCall was 18. She was five foot three and weighed 120 pounds with dark blonde hair and blue eyes. She had freckles on her face and a dimple in the middle of her chin. If you have any information about the disappearance of these women, contact the Springfield Police Department at 417-864-1810 or Crime Stoppers at 417-869-TIPS. Tips. There is a reward involved. So I'll put that information in the show notes too. Yeah. It's just. My gosh. Yeah. That's why it's such a well-known case is because it's so wild. Mm-hmm. Three adult women just vanished without a trace. Yeah, no one heard or saw anything and no one left any evidence behind. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's crazy. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Like I said, if you're on the Patreon, don't forget about our watch party tonight. Ooh, it's going to be so fun. And we'll be back next week with more episodes. Yay. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.